Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Fenner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. And today is a special day, a glorious day for us as Christians, this Holy Week, a blessed Holy Thursday to all of you. As we worship tonight, we see Jesus give a new command to wash one another's feet, and also he institutes the Lord's Supper to give us himself for us to eat and drink for the forgiveness of sins. This shows us the assurance. It gives us the truth that this is his body and blood, and this is where we know we have hope, comfort, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. As we anticipate receiving these gifts this evening, our Lord shines his light upon us today from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 to the end of chapter 3. Paul desires to see the Thessalonians face to face, much like we are feeling as we slowly come out of our I guess they call it the Corona Cocoon. And he received some good news from Timothy about the faithful perseverance of the saints in, in Thessalonica. Let's be honest. We all need to hear some good news. And that's why we hear the good news of our Lord Jesus this morning. Stay tuned as the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. A special thanks to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word, we have with us today Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Pastor Dieterding, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Good to be back and uh, looking forward to our time together in that Word, uh, the Word in First Thessalonians, uh, Thessalonians here coming up, so... Well, a blessed Holy Thursday, Pastor. Blessed Monday, Thursday to you as well. Thank you. <laughs> so tell us about what Holy Week looks like and what you're looking forward to uh, for your work and the Saints of Zion. Well, our, our week looks like uh, a couple of services on Monday, Thursday, which was today. Well, of course, we had the, uh, the um, Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday down here in Fort Myers is kind of interesting because the nickname of Fort Myers is City of Palms. <laughs> so oh. it fits very appropriately. And, and of course, we are able to just uh, clip some palms, uh, palm branches out of our yards and bring them and actually come to the church. And this year, of course, we didn't have the parade as we have in the past uh, due to the uh, COVID uh, guidelines and regulations. So uh, we actually had our children do this outside, and it was virtually done so mm. that uh, on Sunday morning, when everybody came to worship in person, we've been doing in-person worship since October, but when they came, they got to see the children actually uh, in the, uh, in the um, virtually on the screens, uh, actually waving the palm branches as we were singing the opening hymn. So that's a little different this year, but... And then today, of course, we've had uh, just got through with our morning um, Monday Thursday service. We have uh, morning services at ten thirty, both on Monday Thursday and Good Friday, and then uh, we have an evening service at six thirty here too uh, on both of those nights. And then, of course, we have a Sunday morning sunrise, like pretty much every LCMS church that I know of has, and uh, we will be meeting at seven o'clock since uh, sunrise is close to seven thirty and. Um, and then we'll have an 8.30 and a 10.30 service as well. Again, you know, just uh, going by the uh, CDC guidelines, we do the in-person and we do the virtual at the same time. Um, we do the virtual in the mornings on uh, these two days, these special holy days on Thursday and Friday, and then on Sunday uh, it will be at the 8.30 service. We've got different times this one week 
because of the change of the uh, early service uh, sure. to 7 o'clock. So that's what it looks like. <laughs> that is great. Thank you for reminding us of that. And, and one of the great things about Holy Week is that there's so many opportunities to be in God's Word. I mean, no one can say, nah, my church doesn't really fit into my schedule. <laughs> you you'd hard, try your hardest to have a different services, and um, and it's beautiful when you're able to start the service on Thursday like you have already. And basically, right. it just continues. It's like one worship service all the way to Easter yes. sunrise uh, morning. And it's just a beautiful thing to be, be in God's Word. Um, I, I, I want to mention that, too. Sunday morning, our sunrise service, right as you come into our sanctuary from the main entrance, um, there is this uh, beautiful memorial garden there with a statue of Jesus right in the middle of the garden. And wow. so what better place to have a sunrise service than right there out front? Um, so we're going to actually have the service right by the garden, and uh, they'll wow. have that uh, wonderful image uh, as we uh, go through our service that morning. That is wonderful. You can do a lot of things with that, uh, especially with the, the weather you have compared to us. I mean, we might have from <laughs> 60 degrees. Well, you know this life in Minnesota, 60 degrees down right. to negative degrees <laughs> on those days. Right. So what a blessing. Right. What a blessing. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I want to say this. Thank you for being a guest during Holy Week. This is, you know, Jenny, uh, our producer who gets people to, 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 she does all the scheduling is one that just gets a little bit nerve wracking for her during this time of the year <laughs> and for me. So we really appreciate your flexibility, your willingness to be on and bring us God's word this morning. So thank you, Pastor Dieterding. Well, it's, it's so enjoyable. I, you know, I, I, I don't like missing it for any excuse, you know, so I just, I just really do enjoy being in God's word together uh, with the folks there, with all of you there at, at KFUO, and then of course all the listening audience as well. So it's it's always a joy to be uh, sharing together in, in the Word. Awesome. Well, on that note, uh, can you ask uh, Lord's blessings for in, in prayer this morning? Absolutely. Lord God, on this Monday Thursday, we are reminded uh, again of a meal that you have given for us. And to participate in, in remembrance of all that you have done for us, to redeem us, to restore us, to reconcile us back to our Father in heaven. We praise you and give you thanks for the, for the very blood shed and, the, and your body given that we might uh, truly uh, enjoy the salvation that you have promised, the forgiveness of sins, that reconciliation this day, as we approach your word and as your word approaches our hearts and minds, we ask that you would continue to help us to grow in the grace that is ours and in our relationships, too, for one another. As Paul also longed to be in, in close relationship to those uh, that he was serving and to be an encourager, to continue to be able to be with each other in a way that we can together glorify you in all that we say and all that we do. And we pray that you would be with us and bless us richly as you always do in your word this day. Through the name of our dear Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions concerning our text today, drop us an email. Or even if you have a question about Holy Week, this might be a great opportunity to ask it, and we'll address it according to God's Word. Drop us an email at kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. 
Now, we're, we are just ending chapter two into chapter three, uh, Pastor Dieterding. And, and as we look at this text, I, I have, I've, I've said this the first two shows on this, is that it is, it is fascinating to me about how this book came to be. Because, you know, Paul and Silas and Timothy go into the city of the Thessalonians and, and as it as goes in, they're not well received. But yet we have the gift of seeing God's work at work, even God's word at work, even in the midst of persecution and trial and uh, people not wanting the message to be heard overall. But yet the Holy Spirit works as we get to chapter three. Um, we continue to hear more encouragement from Paul. Uh, any background or thoughts on this book in general, these two books, I suppose, um, as we look at chapter three to help us out this morning? Yeah, you know, it's, you know, Paul is always concerned about the relationships of those that uh, he has been working with, those um, for whom he serves his Lord as a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it really reminds us, too, really, as leaders and as lay people within the congregations of how important it is to continue to grow in our relationship in a way that is Christ-pleasing, uh, you know, in that, that we actually um, live with each other as Christ would have us live, you know, forgiving one another as he forgave us, love one another as he loves us, um, doing the work of our Lord uh, by serving our neighbors, serving one another in the fellowship, and serving uh, serving our Lord as well. So, um, you know, he is he's really into uh, the relationships, being restored to one another again, being strong in that in that relationship, and that we can accomplish that which the Lord has placed us here in this world to do. So, yeah, I I, I recall that of these two letters that he writes uh, to the people in Thessalonica. Yeah, he does have a definite, definite theme of living a God-pleasing life. And, yep. but he speaks in a way, I mean, he does speak in a way that is, there's exhortation. But also it's in a, it's a very pastoral sense. Yesterday with Pastor, mm-hmm. uh, McFadden, he, he was very much so talking about how this was a very pastoral letter where he is writing to them. And yes, he exhorts them, but also he speaks about the relationship as like a mother and a father to their children, Mm -hmm. you know, not in a controlling sense or domineering, but in a loving, doing the best that they can for their family. So that that's very true. And he says, God pleasing, you don't feel like he's hitting you over the head with a hammer. um, But he's definitely lovingly and caringly leading them forward to the grace of God. Other thoughts on uh, background or uh, thematic ideas for today? Well, yeah, just, I mean, in, in all of Paul's writing, the, center, the central focal point of our relationships is always in Christ Jesus. And he brings us always back to that all the time. And, you know, he'll, we'll see that again in the, in the words today, um, how he continues to uh, help us to unify in our relationships with one, one another in the unity that we have together in the faith that is ours in Christ Jesus. And you see that in Paul, and, and it's just always there. And uh, Paul knows that that is the most foundational um, uh, part of our lives as brothers and sisters in Christ. I'll say this before we begin, is I think today's verses definitely relate to today. As I'm thinking, I know for us here in Minnesota, we did not gather for Holy Thursday or for Holy or Monday Thursday. We did not gather for Good Friday or for Easter. I think my family came into the church on on Easter morning, but that was it. There was nobody. And so I feel like, and I challenge our listeners today, 
um, to think about how this relates to us today as we gather as God's people, for many people at least, come together again and worship together. I think Paul is speaking to us in, in a wonderful way as we look at this Holy Week. Uh, so let's dig in, Pastor. Um, let's open our Bibles. The gifts are ready. And reminder to our listeners, we are reading from the English Standard Version of the Holy Scriptures. We will read verses 17 through 20. It's from chapter 2. Paul writes, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we, en we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord, our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Well, there's some encouraging words here. What is Paul telling us? Well, as I just mentioned a little while ago, you know, Paul always brings us back to where our strength is in our relationships with each other. You know, he's, he's talking about, you know, uh, the fact that he was torn away from his brothers for a short time, which probably insinuates that uh, this, hap this is something that happened immediately. Um, in person, not in heart. There it is again, you know, just his great desire to meet you face to face. You can hear his desire and his longing to want to be uh, with them again. And then again, he brings us back around, you know, to the hope that we have, which is there in this this uh, this crown of boasting before our Lord is at His coming. Is is it is it not you? Is it for you are for you are our glory and joy. Christ Jesus. I mean, He brings us back to that. That's where our hope our hope is, our joy. And um, of course, He He uses the imagery of a crown. And uh, back in Paul's day, you know, uh, crowns were uh, usually uh, connected to races, you know, that the, that the winner of a race would receive a crown, um, and uh, usually a wreath of some sort, and uh, would, it would crown them. So our crown, our victory, our hope is all in Christ. And that's and that's very helpful because he speaks like like you you say this so well when we've had you on, when I've had you on I I'm, I know you did it before as well but but to bring it back to in Christ this was a common theme in the book of Colossians and here you can easily read these words as he says for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming is it not you and then all of a sudden it becomes about us you know like well you're my crown or you and all that but no he's speaking in a way that yes you are my crown but not because my my joy and glory and I remember in second corinthians he talks about you are my letter of recommendation but all of that he never lets us hear those words without pointing us into in Christ or in the Lord Jesus or because of Christ or on account of Christ. I mean, that is so important. Why is that so important to remember the, that foundation? Well, it's, uh, I mean, that's really baptismal thinking. Uh, you know, we were, we were rooted into this family in our baptism. Uh, when we were baptized, we became a member of the body of Christ. And uh, that's how intimately joined we are with him. We are joined with his death. We're joined in his resurrection. We're joined in everything that Christ has done for us. And that, again, is, our, is foundational. It's our, it's our focal point. And, uh, and, and that's something that you'll hear throughout the entire uh, writings of Paul. Um, and, of course, it's all inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. wanting us to understand that relationship more fully. And that's 
what I'm saying, he's really, he's, it's really important, these relationships that he's having with each of these churches, including Thessalonica here, but, um, and, you, and you can hear it again in his language, uh, how, how important our focus is on our hope and our joy in Christ Jesus. Now, he says these words, and it's titled as Paul's Longing to See Them Again. And he says, mm-hmm. with great desire to see you face to face. I think about that a lot right now. Um, there are, <laughs> yep. you know, there are certain people that show up and it is so much joy. <laughs> like, like I'll, I'll tell you this story. At uh, one of our Wednesday services, we were, and usually it's more somber. And we've, I've kind of had to hold that back a little bit, you know, kind of like, okay, it's quiet before church. Make sure you're praying. And I, I enjoy that part personally. But man, people in the narthex were being loud. I was like, what is going on back there? You know, they're all wearing masks and we're all doing the social distancing. Well, there was a, a gentleman there who actually was the head elder when I came, a major, a major part of the call process when I came to this congregation, had come and he had not been able to be here for about a year. And people were like having a party in the back. I mean, this is, this is, uh, you know, this is, this is I, what I envision that Paul speaks about the face-to-face piece. Why is this face-to-face understanding as the body of Christ so important and such a joy? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, you know, I, I actually I do. You know, it, it reminds me of a of another passage that Paul had written about. You know, now we see as see you as in a and as, as in a mirror dimly, but then we will see you face to face. I, I mean, you know, I I believe that there's there's some connection there in the sense of this again. For Paul, the relationships are important. For Jesus Christ, the relationships for us to be restored back to God is important. And it's Mm. important in the sense that we truly understand the depth of all of that, that we can truly know that joy that is ours and know that hope deeply as uh, we continue to live together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Face to face, I mean, you know, today it would be nice to see everybody's face, um, but, you know, we only get to see partially the face of people, and it is different. It is really different. The relationship has been strained a bit. Um, I don't know about you as a pastor, but I know when I'm standing in front of my congregation, it's hard to engage with them, because usually I engage by seeing what's on their face, and all I can see is their eyes, and I'm not sure what they're thinking sometimes as I'm preaching. It is is very different, Um, and just the, the idea of being face to face. You know, we look forward to that day when we don't have to wear the masks anymore. And there's, it's more than just the breathing; it's being able to see another person's face and the joy that's there on their face uh, as we are enjoying all the good gifts that God gives us in worship. Yeah. It, it's funny. I, I think about if you were to write a, a letter to the the Fort Myer is um, like a Fort Fort Myerans or something. How you say that? But you would say, "Oh, how I long to see you mask to mask." Maybe that's how you would write it nowadays. But anyway, right. <laughs> right. that would be awesome. Um, it is. Yeah, I wanted to highlight one more thing just to really dig into this part because I think these verses are foundational for the rest. But he says, "But Satan hindered us." Any insights on that or your thoughts on how Satan hinders us sometimes in the church and in our Christian walk? I, I saw, you know, when when I was reading that, or when you were reading that even just now again, and I, I read it earlier, I thought, wow, that's broad. <laughs> there's a lot, yeah. there's a lot, I'm sure, there going on. Like, that's not really important. I'm not going to highlight what Satan's been doing. You know, I'm just going to let you know, yeah, he's in the way again, and he's hindering things again. And that can be anything from the government to 
um, even friends to to others that he's trying to work with that are trying to just you know block what what's going on uh, to you know block the, uh, the the moving ahead of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We we aren't told what that is. It, it would just be a guess on anybody's part because. Uh, and I'm and I'm really glad he didn't get into any detail because uh, you know the devil doesn't deserve that kind of time. You know that's a good point. That's a very good point. So I think for us to know that the the Satan is like a roaring lion seeking of whom he can devour, and maybe we just need to keep preaching instead of giving him the time of day. That's probably a good point. So let's keep moving on here. Uh, chapter three, uh, we'll read verses one through five. Therefore. When we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it, just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. All right, so he speaks about going to Athens. What's the context on that? Well, Athens, you know, I'm always amazed how Paul was able to actually touch the lives of people. Part of me is amazed. The other part is like, well, he is preaching the word, and that word has power, and that power changes lives, you know. And that is, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. I get all of that, but I mean, he's going into. If I don't know if you've been to Athens to see the mm -hmm. ruins there, I've actually had the opportunity to be there and to see what's going on and over in Corinth and um, you know in Ephesus and those those uh, those towns there over in Turkey and Greece. And it's amazing. I mean, they you could tell how deeply entrenched the culture was in the worshiping of all kinds of idols and gods and, and so forth and images. And uh, it was pretty amazing that Paul could actually go in there, stand among the philosophers, and preach the truth about, uh, you know, who God is and what this world is about and what your very existence is about. And, uh, you know, many people would come to faith, and that's how these churches got established. And it's, it was this way in all these towns. I mean, we didn't, they didn't have Internet back in the day. They didn't have a mail service like we've had, to, you know, in our world today. And so, if anything, word of mouth got around slowly about this Jesus and who he was. So Paul is really coming in and talking to people a lot of the time, you know, firsthand, first time that, that, they, that they're hearing this. And so to see someplace as, as busy and as uh, worldly as Athens, to have Paul go right for the juggler of the, of the world, you know, in a yeah. sense, uh, that is really awesome. And you, you can see that the world is beating up against him. They want to they silence him. They don't, they don't want to hear what he has to say because um, it's, creating, it's creating problems in their eyes and their, and their thinking. Yeah, it's, it's, it is amazing when you think about it, because he goes from Philippi, you know, he gets out of jail, mm -hmm. he goes to Thessalonica, and from there, he, you know, they kick him out, goes to Berea, they listen, but then he get, gets kicked out of there, then he goes to Athens, and all, you know, and they, they believe in everything, you know, they don't, they believe everything they is do. everything, and you know. They do, 
they do. They worship everything. And they do, yeah, they, they uh, live life to the fullest of sinfulness, too. I mean, it's just, it was just an unbelievable place. I mean, there and at Corinth as well. I bet it. I bet it was, and and this is you know one of the beauties of this book as well is that we're able to get a very clear picture of what he's speaking about in Acts chapter seventeen, where we hear about he goes there that they are very religious. He says, I mean, you can't help but not relate this to today's world, where you know I'm not very religious. I'm more spiritual. You know, people do just what they did in Athens that they'll make altars to the unknown god just in case that there is a god you know out there. So Paul yeah. goes to Athens, and if I'm if I'm right in my history here, basically he you go to Athens, and they're like, you know what, the Thessalonians are ones we really need to help out. So he sends Timothy back to them to make sure that they're okay. Now this is interesting. He says words um, to establish and exhort you in your faith in verse two. He sends Timothy to do that. I was trying to think about that. I want your thoughts on this. What does he mean by that? Ex- exhort and establish you in your faith. I, I think he wants them to know that that you know what the what the truth is concerning the faith. You know, the faith isn't something that we just kind of um, live on our own, apart from one another, and and, and develop our own unique uh, understanding of our relationship with God, but that we grow together in that understanding. Um, exhorting in, in the sense of this is how God wants us to live. This is, and that was what that was part. It wasn't even part. It was it was the main part of uh, of Paul's role uh, with the Christian churches throughout uh, those early those missionary journeys was to uh, exhort them to bring that word that gospel um, and to establish it means to you know really really have an understanding of what this life, this new life that we have in Christ is really all about. What is this gospel? What's, what is it that's foundational for each and every one of us? And so, I mean, when you look at all of what Paul writes in these letters, he's talking about what it means to live as God's uh, child, as, uh, as a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this is, is something that he writes as well, that no one may be moved by these afflictions. So clearly the people in in the Thessalonians are ones who are going to be moved uh, and and tempted, as it talked about Satan, uh, to to believe in different things, to look to different places. And Paul knows it. I mean, he's seen this in Athens. So he's like, wow, this is really bad here. We need to go encourage the people who are the Thessalonians as they continue to stay steadfast in that faith. And so I want us to touch more upon this because he speaks about suffering and the afflictions that come Mm -hmm. while someone's in the faith. But we'll touch on that after the break. We are studying First Thessalonians with Pastor Curtis Dieterding. We'll be right back. by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the goodness of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Peace Lutheran Church at 8 a.m. and Hope Lutheran Church at 1045. 
as well as Bible study from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere at 9.30. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. back. We are studying 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 into chapter 3. And as we look at these words today, um, I wanted to rehash one thing, and I wanted to clarify one thing, and Pastor Dieterling, I want your I want your thoughts here too, is that at the beginning of the program, I said, Happy Holy Thursday. And 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 then you said happy Monday Thursday. And I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to have people thinking we're contradicting each other or that we're trying oh, to have a, a duking out of the right words. But uh, uh, what does Monday mean? How how do you teach that when when you talk about Monday Thursday? Well, I tell people it's not Monday, so we have to make sure that they understand <laughs> that. It has, Monday has nothing to do with that. But uh, something about being a servant, you know, the being mm-hmm. the servant. There's the story of Jesus uh, washing his disciples' feet, and and that servanthood is is. I think we might have yeah. lost him. Oh, there he is. Oh, there you are. We lost you for a moment, there, Pastor. Keep going. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, Jesus as servant is is a real focal point uh, of that night as well. I mean, we know that it's uh, a night where we celebrate um, the Passover. Uh, changed into the new meal, which is now what we uh, refer to as Holy Communion. Uh, we know what all that is about. But there's also that that um, wonderful image of Jesus as servant, who who also mm-hmm. called himself as, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's that's what the Son of Man has come to do. And so, yeah, so that's why, and I know that some churches actually practice that too, that foot foot washing, I know we did that a couple of times along the line, uh, where we did that um, one time with the pastors uh, washing feet, and the other time where people were washing each other's feet. <laughs> Those who felt comfortable doing that. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah. And and it's it's interesting because when I was on, you'll see it more common now, especially in Roman Catholic churches, are definitely saying holy kind of across the board. A number of Lutheran churches have been using that lingo. Uh, it really doesn't change what we're doing whatsoever. I think it was changed for various reasons. But for me, it was simply because on Vicarage, when I was in Kansas, it was... Um, we called it Holy Thursday. I was like, okay. So I just kept calling it Holy Thursday. And, and Monday is, is points to a command of a servanthood, as you said. Holy kind of points to Holy Communion, as I think what my vicarage supervisor was saying. So I just wanted to make mm-hmm. sure everyone knew that we're not, I'm not starting to try to, try to start a new trend. I'm not trying to contradict what Pastor Dieterding is trying to say. But there are two different uh, ways people speak of it nowadays that really has the same message, which is the servant of our, our Lord, washing feet and giving us himself and the body and blood of Christ. So I wanted to clarify that. Any last thoughts on that, Pastor? I think I think we've covered the ground on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're very good. As we look at verses uh, 4 through 5, it talks about how that there is affliction. Um, for, for I, I want to read these verses again. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. So in chapter two, he speaks about um, 
he speaks about how there would be suffering and that Jesus suffered uh, and there's suffering in Judea and that same suffering has come to you, the Thessalonians. And so he speaks about this affliction, this suffering, and he says so in fear of what their faith would be. Um, any thoughts on how what the argumentation or where Paul is telling the Thessalonians here? Now he's, he's talking about, you know, the afflictions that happen as a result of the persecution that they're undergoing because they get... Um, and it's interesting, too, because he comes back to what he said earlier. You know, Satan hindered us, the tempter had tempted you, and they were worried that all of what they had been doing, uh, that, that people that are being persecuted, I mean, they were literally um, uh, suffering, uh, you know, physically, mentally, at the hands of the city officials, and yet... And yet um, that all will roll over to affecting them spiritually as well. And Paul mm-hmm. knew that. Paul knew that, uh, you know, he, he was just praying that all the suffering that they go through, that they would see that this is um, this is actually what we are destined for. <laughs> so I'm just letting mm-hmm. you know that this is part of the package deal when you become a, a Christian. You're going to undergo this kind of suffering and affliction. In fact, it's all it is more is that it's proof of the faith, too, that, that uh, that you truly um, are uh, a blessing to those around you as you continue to stand firm in this oneness that we have and the hope that is ours and that joy that is ours and the crown that we have uh, coming mm. to because of Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely, and and this is it, it's so it's so interesting because you, you try to envision Paul talking to them. And they're sitting there and saying, "This is great." I mean, this this free grace he's speaking about, the the love of Jesus for me, the the it is finished reality as a Christian person. You know, the the body and blood of Jesus is right there for us. He goes through all these gifts, and then he says, "And by the way, you're probably going to be persecuted for this." And you're like, "What do the people think at that point?" Like, "Oh my goodness, what's going on?" But of course, as we know, Paul could back it up and say, "By the way, I've been flogged this many times. I've been beaten this many times. I've gone through all of this, but this I all consider." You know, to be nothing compared to the joy of knowing Christ, and so right. it, it is. It is something that he had the fear that people would walk away, and it's the same fear we have. I think personally, what will I do if I go through persecution? How will I be sustained? Um, and the same fear I have for my own family, for my congregation. Um, can you speak to that a little bit and the fear that we have over persecution and what that means as a child of God? Um, I know that as a parent, as a, as one who um, has been working with young people a lot in my life, uh, the biggest fear is the temptation that that um, is out there for our younger folks to um, follow other uh, teachings of the gospel that are not true, uh, teachings that will actually lead people away from the faith completely. And uh, it's the work of the evil one when that's happening. And, uh, you know, they don't want to uh, be uh, seen as people that don't fit in, and so therefore they just go along. And it's the whole going along with, you know, it's a whole lot safer to go this route than it is to, to stay steadfast in what I, what I believe, because um, the tempter works with false words, with lies, um, and and very effectively, especially in our world today, uh, you've got so much information that is coming out at. And I'm saying the younger folks, because the older folks 
have held on to that faith for such a, a long period of time, many of them will hold on. But not all of them do either. You know, as a pastor, mm-hmm. I've seen that happen as well, where older people are also falling away from the faith because they're starting to believe in other uh, ideas about who God is or if there's even a God. So, and, and the people that I knew came up in the church, and it's, uh, it's heartbreaking to see that when that happens. And it seems to be happening a lot more today than it did when I was growing up. So, Yeah, and that's where Paul's words are, are definitely, like I said, they, they fit for today's world. Uh, Paul, uh, Jesus speaks about the persecution. If they persecute me, they will persecute you. Paul obviously speaks about the same um, the same realities. First Peter 4 speaks about this. Um, then do not be surprised when you get persecuted, but rejoice to, as you share in Christ's sufferings. All of these things, according to the worldly sense, that would bring great fear. And that's why I love about what Paul says is because for us, we have great fear and we're wondering, wow, Paul, you know, he's kind of the, the, the guy, the man himself. And even he has the fear that this would lead people away from the Lord Jesus, which is why the next portion of this, Paul's encouraging report is not only encouraging for him, but it's encouraging for us because no matter what happens, we know the Lord is still in charge. So let's continue verses 6 through 10. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before, before our God? As we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So he, Timothy goes, gets a report, and then comes back. So this is like the uh, a circuit visitor comes and visits, or or a district president comes and visits you, and he brings back. Uh, what kind of report does he bring back? Well, obviously he's bringing back a report that's uh, you know just really really uplifting, a very encouraging uh, report indeed. Um, you know, Timothy, <clears throat> you know, bringing this report surely brings a lot of relief for the very uh, the very things that. You have to you have to be thinking too that you know Paul uh, has to have this unbelievable prayer life you know and with him and all the saints that are praying for the people there in Thessalonica um, so again you know on the one hand you know Paul's glad to see all this but I don't think he's totally surprised about it either because he knows that this is the power that God can work um, through uh, through the through the Word and uh, just. Uh, lifting this up also gives more encouragement, more um, more courage, really, and uh, boldness to the people there as they continue to be uh, persecuted. Because you know he he's he's seeing the strength of the gospel. Timothy is, Paul is, that it's holding them steadfast in their faith. And uh, of course, Paul writes about that in other places too in his letters. And he says, the good news of your faith. So that, that part, they're still confessing Jesus is Lord. But then he also says um, this, that you remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. I found that interesting that um, it's kind of like as a, a friend that you have a friend that you hadn't seen for a number of years. And then you start to wonder, 
do they really want to see me again? Like, is this, if we were to see each other on the street, would it be like, is there some bad blood here? Or is there some issue there? Any thoughts on how he speaks about not only faith, but that they actually want to see him as he wants to see them? Yeah, I think you, I think you and, and myself and, and others who have grown up in the church uh, don't, uh, don't have not really experienced this kind of a relationship with someone who, who has brought you life who has brought you life beyond the life that we live in this world. Someone who has brought you a message that shows you that God still loves you, the one who created you, the one who uh, has has redeemed you uh, in Christ Jesus. That's a powerful message to receive as an adult. And I would, I would think that these people want more. They want, they want to hear more from Paul. They, they, they long to have him come back. And Paul, of course, always longing to see those that have, heard the message to see where they at where they're at in their faith walk and again constantly praying just as it says there in verse 10 you know as we pray most earnestly night and day constantly mm-hmm. praying for his brothers and sisters there and so to see that this kind of fruit uh, was definitely encouraging to Paul and so okay so he keeps going, and I love how you connected the prayer part, because how we're going to end our text today, I think, is a very important piece of our understanding of prayer for those saints who came, not came before us, but those who are in the faith and are living somewhere else. So he says here um, that you remember us kindly. For this reason, verse 7, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. I love I love this language because he says, "For now we live," um, kind of this this language of you know we're not walking around as dead man walking. You know this is not a a downer mm-hmm. time. Now we live, especially during the Holy Week. Any any thoughts on those words? Well, yeah, because without without this message, there is no life. You know, and I like your description. You know, you're walking around like dead men because you still are, are in your sins if you uh, have not. Um, kept the faith, if you have uh, turned away as a result of the, of the tempter working through whatever means to uh, to lure you away from this, this uh, powerful gospel message, um, I mean, th- this is what gives us life. I like whenever Paul talks about um, our relationship uh, with our Lord in Colossians chapter 3, you know, there mm-hmm. in the very first few verses, you know, he actually says, Christ who is our life. You know, he doesn't talk about just Christ and, and, and that he gives us life, but that Christ is our life. And this this gospel message is found, that foundational, that it, it is life. It is what brings us life because it is God's word. It is Christ's words coming to us by the power and through the power of the Spirit uh, that keeps and holds us steadfast in that faith. And then praying, um, you know, continues to bring to those folks you would you would pray uh, God's power into this whole situation to hold them and to keep them as his own. You know, that's a great reference in Colossians chapter 3. I would encourage our listeners, if you have your Bibles open, Colossians chapter 3, verse 4 is what Pastor Dieterding was referencing. And it says, and it clearly is pointing to the end when Christ appears, but it says, when Christ, who is your life, meaning current, he is currently your life. And this is this is an important important reality for us is that sometimes I'll take a step back when I, when I teach confirmation um, and, and one of the things I have a tagline that I would say, you know, um, what am I? And all the kids will say a sinner. 
And, and I, I realize that sometimes I, I focus on that part of it. You know, what is God in Christ, a forgiver? What am I in Christ, a forgiven sinner? And there's times I focus on that sinner part where like, what am I, a sinner? And it's almost like this Debbie Downer, you know, <laughs> type of situation where that's all you're talking about. And that rolls into this too. For now we live, sometimes we act like it's just nothing's going to go right. But Paul has received this message that despite persecution, despite all of these things, despite basically going to every city and it looked like no one believed in anything, that now he's encouraged that there is still faith in that city, still faith in that place. And when you know when the Son of God comes back, will he find faith? And the answer to that is yes. And it is there even in persecution. So um, let's not stick with the I am a sinner uh, dynamic. We have to have it. And Preach the law to its fullest, but Lord have mercy, Christ has risen from the dead, that, that we we have risen in the dead in our baptism, and we live a new life, as Paul tells us here and also in Colossians. Any any thoughts on that, reflections on how we live our Christian walk as new a new life? Right. Well, I mean, going back to the, the idea, you know, you were talking about, oh yeah, you gotta preach the law, you gotta, you know, you gotta know your sin and all of that. Um it's it's actually and that's that is the tension that we constantly live in, live under is this tension between, um, you know, this this sin that we continually battle every day, and the thing that the, the the tempter loves to do when we sin is to tell us lies and to accuse us and to say, uh, oh yeah, you're, what a Christian you are, <laughs> you can't you can't keep from sinning. Look what you do all the time, and you know. And, and do you really believe in Jesus? Those kinds of things where you can hear those words of the tempter in the mouths and in the conversations and in the life and the lifestyles of those that you connect to. And so there's always temptation around us. But as you also said, uh, there's also this joy that we have knowing that um, in our hearts, uh, if we've if we've really looked at our sin and seen that we truly um, are as bad and as evil as we are in our sin, that we are actually enemies of God, uh, we can repent of those sins, we can feel sick over them, and turn to our Lord and know for, for certain, because of what Christ has done for us, that there is forgiveness that restores us and strengthens us. And so, um, yeah, we're, we've constantly got that tension going on, and uh, sometimes that tension might not always be there, because I think uh, there is this there is this uh, urge to just lean to the gospel side and not worry about how we live our life. That tension is always there. Um, and yet, uh, because of what Christ has done, we should be very concerned how we continue to live our life uh, in relationship to everyone around us. And these relationships and how we live that life are so important to Paul. Uh, even in even in uh, letters like ones to the Thessalonians, yeah, and 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 it continues in verse nine, kind of that understanding of a new life that he speaks about, and that you're saying so well. And he and he asks a question, but he's really making a, a statement. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? It's almost like. Um, how can I stop giving thanks right now? And the answer to that is I can't. It just it, 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 so much Thanksgiving that I have in my heart. I mean, he speaks about feelings, so we should probably allow feeling to happen for us. Um, what can? How much more can we give to God for you? And I think about this: how 
There's times that we need to be able to do that for God's people. It can be in the form of a thank you card. It can be in public, uh, public joy, um, public uh, recognition, whatever it might be. But to be able to give thanks, not only on Thanksgiving Eve or Thanksgiving Day, but to give thanks all the time for the faith that God has given other people and the way that they're working in the world. I, I feel like this, these verses are just so full of, of joy and thanksgiving that I often have just overlooked and gotten to chapter four really quickly to talk about the end times or something. But here he really hits on that thanksgiving piece. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, thankfulness is a is a real theme for Paul in his letters too. I mean, mm-hmm. he knows the power of of uh, being thankful for the saints, especially. You know, um, I think we all like a word of thanks sometimes, and it does right. lift us up, doesn't it? When people yeah. thank you for whatever it is that you have done or whatever it is you say, but he he's thankful to God for their faith. He's thankful that God has kept them steadfast in that faith as well. So. For you know, for what Thanksgiving can we return to God for you? He always goes that route. You know, his thankfulness is. I mean, he's truly thankful for what it is that they are and what they do. Not just the Thessalonians, but other uh, uh, Christian groups too. But he always thanking them through God. You know, by God, you know, I give you thanks um, for who you are, that you're still in the faith, and that you're still um, part of the body of Christ. So. Yeah. Again, where's the focus? Where does Paul always bring us back to? He always brings us back to where our strength is as Christians, because we know where our weakness is, is in that sin, but we know that our strength is only in God and what he can mm. bring to us to help us live a life that's uh, uh, that truly desires following him in, in Christ Jesus as a disciple. So that's my encouragement to you, our listeners, is that as you go through Holy Week um, for tonight, Holy Thursday, uh, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, or on Easter, or if you have an Easter vigil or whatever it might be, say a little prayer of thanksgiving for everyone sitting with you in the pews. Say a prayer of thanksgiving for uh, your pastor who preaches. Give a, a prayer of thanksgiving for those maybe in your family who are sitting with you, or to think about giving a prayer of thanksgiving um, for those who are in other churches and other places that we are united in the Lord Jesus, and that may we do this night and day like Paul did for the Thessalonians. Pastor, I want to get to these last verses because he he transitions to a prayer. He begins with a prayer of thanksgiving in our in our book, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and now he, he makes a, a transitional prayer of a prayer directly for the Thessalonians of endurance. So I want to read these last verses and we can wrap it up. We have about five minutes left. Now, Paul, Paul writes, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless and holiness before God our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. I want to I break this down almost verse by verse. Now he says, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Um, what is he praying there? Well, it, it, first, of all, first of all, I just kind of want to back up just a little bit because you know, he, here he was talking about, you know, how they were giving thanksgiving for, um, you know, all that God has, has shown them in this encouraging word that Timothy brings them. And then, and then he says, and then we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face. 
and then to go into a prayer. I mean, that's just so appropriate at this point. Yeah. That yeah. we're praying for you. Like right now, I can say a prayer, and he lifts up a oh, prayer immediately. That's good. Yeah. And it's that's just good. like, wow. Okay. So, yeah. So, and, it, and again, where is he directing our attention right away? You know, addressing the Father and, the, and our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's it's direct our way back to you. It's it's like you know may he, you know grant us safe travels that we can get back there that we come to you. Um, so I mean we pray this all the time, right? In our in our services when people are traveling to and from, when when we know that family are coming in for Easter, we would have a prayer that you know they would arrive safely and that the Lord would keep, keep care of them as they return home. Those kinds of things. So um, yeah, I think that's the the focal point is you know they've already expressed the joy that they have hoping to, to be able to see us face-to-face again, and now uh, they're getting ready to, to uh, actually come. And so what better thing than to lift up uh, a prayer to the Lord, asking Him to, to bless their way. And, and it reminds me of when somebody says to me, and I remember the first time someone said this to me, is they say, I pray the Lord has our paths crossed again. And and you just don't say that to anybody, and that's what it was so meaningful to me, is that Lord... Who, this person of whom, you know, we're connected with and faith, may the Lord have our paths cross again, whether it's here or in eternity. Um, those are powerful words of faith to remind us what joy it is, once again, to be face to face. Let's move on in verse 12, that you are, you may, the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. Why is this important for the Thessalonians and for us? Yeah, you know... <laughs> This is kind of interesting because uh, it, it actually does remind me or connect me to, um, you know, our churches. You know, when the uh, when when somebody that you just cherish that has taught you the word that has blessed you with that word um, that that initiated it originated it among you in that community, um, you don't always you don't always see everybody else in the community as 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 you live with them every day. <laughs> so mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. very used to them. So they're all excited about the guy that, that started everything, and he's kind of back. Um, but he's saying, that's the same kind of love you should have for one another. The, the same with us. You know, we're waiting for our Lord Jesus Christ to come back, and he's even uh, is talking about very close to this prayer. As we are waiting for Jesus to come back with that joy in our heart, so we should be that way in our relationships with one another, that that, that same kind of love and that same kind of joy should abound in our hearts for one another, just as we do for our Lord. And I, I, that's that is the impression I'm getting here in this prayer. And once again, establish your hearts blameless and holiness before our God and Father when he arrives again, which means that we will be in faith. About 30 seconds here, Pastor. Can you sum up the words that we have read today and how the God has worked in our hearts? And can you sum, sum it up for us today? Yeah, I, I'm going to sum it up in that word establish. You know, we mm-hmm. heard that earlier where it said in, in verse 2, and we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in the faith. It's this establishing this in the hearts, that it, it may be a permanent way in which you live with one another, in the way in which you live in your holiness, and that you still strive and you, and you still have that desire uh, as you wait for the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. I like how he puts with all his saints, because mm. that insinuates that we are already living in Christ together. And, and, and when we get together and worship and, and, and uh, speak our faith together, we're doing that in the name of Christ. 
Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida, helping us today with 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and 3. Pastor Dieterding, thank you for being our guest, and a happy Holy Week. And to you as well, and it's always a joy. Thank you. Saints of our Lord, I say the same prayer that Paul said for the Thessalonians. May our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another, so you may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us. A blessed rest of the Holy Week for you and your families, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. Thank you.